This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. I'm going to take it back to 1952 right now for an episode of The Lives of Harry Lime, starring Orson Welles. Boy, what a fascinating life he led. His father was a well-to-do inventor, his mother a beautiful concert pianist, and as a child, Orson Welles was gifted in many arts, magic, piano, painting. When his mother died, he was nine, he traveled the world with his father. Now, he tried unsuccessfully to enter the London and Broadway stages, traveling some more in Morocco and Spain, where, by the way, he fought in the bullring. Uh, recommendations by Thornton Wilder and Alexander Wilcott got him into Catherine Cornell's road company. He began working with John Houston, or Houseman, that is, and formed the Mercury Theater with him in 1937. In 1938, they produced the Mercury Theater on the air, uh, famous for its broadcast version of the War of the Worlds. It was intended as a Halloween prank. His first film to be seen by the public... Citizen Kane, 1941, a commercial failure, losing RKO, $150,000, but regarded by many as the best film ever. In 1975, in spite of all his box office failures, he received the American Film Institute's Lifetime Achievement Award. And in 1984, the Directors Guild of America awarded him its highest honor, the D.W. Griffith Award. And just for fun, here's a bit of trivia about Orson Welles. He once ate 18 hot dogs in one sitting at Pink's. That's a Los Angeles hot dog stand. To say he had a rather large appetite would be a bit of an understatement, wouldn't you say? Well, let's hear him now in the role of Harry Lime, The Lives of Harry Lime, the episode entitled The Painted Smile. <laughs> Presenting Orson Welles as the third man. The Lives of Harry Lyme. The fabulous stories of the immortal character, originally created in the story The Third Man, with zither music by Anton Karras. I've got a story for you. A story about a canvas cloud, a tinsel world, and bloody murder. And if that wasn't enough, it all happened in Taormina, which is in Sicily. I know it happened because I saw it. Call the story The Painted Smile. Stick around. <laughs>
Orson Welles as Harry Lyme, the third man, in today's story, The Painted Smile. I've always had a fondness for the exception that breaks the rule. Maybe it's because I like to break rules myself. Take a smile, for instance. One of the intangibles of life, so everyone says. But what about that smile of the Cheshire cats? That grin hung around long after puss had vanished. You call that intangible? Like the smile I'm going to tell you about. The horrid humor of that painted smile lingered long after the man who wore it was quite dead. As I'd come to Tarmina for a holiday... The circumstances were ideal. I had some extra cash in my pocket, the climate was fine, and the local police were completely disinterested in me. But I no sooner entered my room at the San Domenico Hotel, was testing the mattress, as a matter of fact, when a long-bladed Sicilian knife whispered past my ear and wickedly winked at me from the bedpost. Since I was naturally somewhat curious, I turned rather quickly and standing there in the doorway was a slim man with pale brown hair, pale monkey eyes, and the face of a tragedian. Why, Tony, <laughs> you old clown. Harry, you old devil, what bring you to Tarmina? Money, money, old friend. The climate, a certain weariness, and this happens to be one of the last places in the world where Harry Lyme is welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you? Same old reason. The circus is playing here. A circus in Sicily? Mm -hmm. Isn't that bringing coals to Newcastle, old man? Not everyone is laughing and happy in Sicily, and clowning is my business. I was born to make people laugh. A clown. Yes, you were born the greatest con man of them all. No, Harry. I have a certain talent for crime, perhaps slate of hand, facility with a knife, but not the heart. I'm afraid I'm an honest man, Harry. <laughs> all the more reason to be my guest tonight, Tony. Share the pleasure my first night in Tarmina. To the contrary, hmm? you shall be mine. I'll serve you Sicilian pasties for hot dogs, champagne for pink lemonade, introduce you to every freak on the midway, and seat you in a box for the main show. How would you like that, eh? Yes, I'd, I'd like that. But just this night, I'll step inside your canvas cloud, old man, pop the enchanted peanut in my mouth, and enter the circus heaven of youth. <laughs> I believe every gilded angel and tinsel queen I see smell the animals, walk the sawdust stairway to the stars. Yes, Tony, I'll be happy to accept your invitation to the circus. And who could ask for a better host than a clown? <laughs> We left the midway crowd, the lights and the blaring calliope. And the growl of jungle beasts came to me. We approached a small dressing tent. Then the clown humbly called for his friend. Nola! Nola! Are you in there? You again, Antonio? What is it? I want to see you. You will see me later. Go away! But I have a surprise for you, Nola. A wonderful surprise. A surprise? A present, perhaps? The canvas flap snapped back and she stepped into the yellow glare of the lamps. Nola. Hair as black as though it had been poured out of an ink bottle. Body sinuous, graceful. Like a cat's. She was like a cat. And her ice-gray eyes flared strangely when she looked at me. So this is your wonderful surprise, Antonio. Nola, this is Harry Lyme, my friend. I'm always happy to meet a friend. The way she said it, the way she was looking at me, made it seem like we were all alone, just Nola and me. I know a kind of female. 
I also knew that Tony was in for a bad time. The only thing, he knew it too. Told me about it a little later while he was putting on his clown makeup. So you feel sorry for me, Harry? Well, I don't feel one way or the other about anyone, but if you fancy Nola for yourself, you're a chump, old man. I know, I know. Oh? And you like to be kicked in the teeth, is that it? Look at me, my friend. What is there about me for a woman to love? But there is a great deal about Nola to love. Mm-hmm. To admire, to desire, yeah. To love? Uh-huh. You're forgetting something. I am? All clowns suffer. Oh, yes. Paint a smile that. on their face to hide a broken heart. Ah, really, old man. Don't be trite. <laughs> Nola is like a fever in the blood. A disease. She's not good for me, perhaps, but the pain of loving her is better than the ecstasy of loving any other woman. I agree with you, Tony. You never, never would have made a good confidence man. You think the clown white has gone deeper than my face? That my thinking has become as theatrical as my profession? <laughs> perhaps. Perhaps. Ah, but the show is about to begin. Help me with my wig, Harry. Oh, there you are. Ah, am I not the funny man? Yeah, very funny. See you later, my friend. Now Antonio must go to clown and dance like a puppet. While Nola pulls the strings, hmm? Laugh, brown laugh. You poor schmoo. It wasn't a very big circus, but it looked like the greatest thing on earth to the folks in Tarmina. They laughed at Tony's antics till they cried, moved, nodded at the trapeze performers, and gasped at Nola's animal act. Then came the grand climax. Cage, Tony pantomimed his bravery to the crowd. He cracked his whip, he strutted, he, he proved to himself at least that he was afraid of nothing on four legs. And then a smaller cage was rolled in and opened on the main cage, and another clown in the costume of a black puma sprang inside with Tony. First, my friend was terrified, then he saw the puma was as frightened as he, and they made friends and waltzed around the cage together as the audience screamed with mirth. It was as simple as that. But Tony's clowning was touched with genius, and his performance, it was... All the posturing and heartbreak and fear of the world. And by conquering his fear in the shape of the puma, he put a happy ending to his story, and everybody went home happy. That was everybody but Tony. I saw him after the show waiting for Nola. She ran up from the main tent, still carrying her animal whip. Nola! Nola! Get out of my way! But, Nola, I must talk. Take your hands off me! Let me go! Her whip, cruel and quick as a puma's claw, cut across his face. I could see a livid wheel rising under his clown white. But Tony took it, took it silently, just looked after Nola with big guys. Then he saw me. Thanks for the show, Tony. It was swell, but uh, the rest of the night's on me. Now let's do Tarmina, hmm? Like men. You, you will excuse me tonight, my friend. Tomorrow I'll come to the hotel. Tomorrow. <laughs> I went back to my monastic cell to do some thinking. I say cell, call it that, because the 
Hotel San Domenico in Taormina was in the 16th century a monastery. And now in the 20th century, it's a very unmonk-like character walked its sacred tiles and pondered on human passion. And then... I had no reason not to answer the door. Yeah? Hello. She was small. Very young, very dewy. You know, the moonlight for hair and stars for eyes sort of thing. You are Mr. Harry Lyme? I am. I am Therese. That's enchanting. You will invite me in. I would speak with you. Well, uh, (laughs) I can't imagine a more satisfactory conversation. I will sit here. If you like. It's all very femme fatale and very intriguing, but... uh, how do you happen to know my name? I asked the manager. Hmm. And they do make things easy in Tarmina, don't they? What? It's unimportant. I just arrived at the hotel a while ago. I am staying here, too. Alone? Oh, yes. I see. You do know Antonio Vega? Antonio? Oh, sly dog. You're another one of his girls, is that it? I am his only girl. Oh, of course, of course. I am his <laughs> daughter. Oh. The manager told me that Papa was here to see you this afternoon. He said you were his old friend. (laughs) Is that so funny? No, no, don't start that again. I came to you, Mr. Lyme, because I could not find Papa. He wrote to me he was going to be here. He is a traveling salesman, you know. Oh, no. So when school closed for vacation, instead of staying there as usual, I thought I'd come here and surprise Papa. Papa and me, hmm? Hasn't he told you about me? Uh, yes, oh, yes, he, of course. Then you uh, know where he is. I can go to him. Well, uh, as it so happens, your father's coming to the hotel tomorrow, my dear. Why don't you wait for him here and really surprise him, hmm? What a wonderful idea. Oh, Mr. Lime, I could kiss you. Oh, no. <laughs> Harry Lyme returns in just a moment. Orson Welles, as Harry Lyme, the third man, continues in today's story, The Painted Smile. Teresa didn't know her father's real profession any more than I'd known Tony. I had a daughter. My clown friend was beginning to interest me more and more. A man of many lives, one of those still waters run deep boys. But in spite of the sheltered life he'd lavished on Teresa, she'd walked into the finest emotional trap the devil himself could set. What to do? I breakfasted with the young lady on the terrace, 
Oh, very proper, very public. Harry, is that you? Oh, oh pardon me, you are busy. Papa! Oh, Papa! Therese! Oh, kiss her, Tony. Go on. I'm sure I would if I had such a daughter. Oh, it's so wonderful to see you, Papa. Be with you again. But the kitten, you, you should have stayed at the school. You are not glad to see me? Of course, of course, my darling. But, but my work, you know, I, I have so little time. That is why I always visited you instead of you coming to see me. If it's only one little minute of the day, it's worth it, Papa. Just to be near oh, you. Have a heart, Tony. Yes, she'll, she'll have me in tears. <gasps> Your cheek. Oh, Papa, what happened to your poor cheek? A terrible scar. Uh, it was an accident, Therese. Another reason why you must not stay. It is impossible. You understand the situation, oh, Harry. Sure, what situation? Man, I... Why should not a daughter be with her Papa? It is impossible. You will go back to school like a good girl, yes? Or to the relatives in Naples. No. Therese? No, 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 no. I will never leave you. Even if you don't want me around. Well, just who won that round, Tony, old man? What can I do, my friend? Why not tell her the truth? And bring her shame? <laughs> Therese thinks of me as a businessman, dignified, honorable. What would she say if her father told her that he was a clown? Well, you're going to have to tell her something. I said I was an honest man, my friend. That isn't true. And what do you do? Pick the pockets of the other clowns? I smuggle emeralds. Again? The smuggle emeralds. It was for her, Harry, Therese. How could I support her in such a fine fashion? Good clothes, private schools, on the earnings of a clown in a wandering circus. Well, I hadn't thought about it much. Didn't even know your kitten existed, you see. That is one of many things I haven't told you, my old friend. Forgive me. Well, forgiven, but the... Uh... The emeralds. You see, emeralds? I've been very successful in the smuggling trade, but very careful. Over the years, I've saved a small fortune. And now I want to ask you a favor. For the fortune? Anything, old man, for the fortune. It's for Therese when she reaches 21. If anything should happen to me before, see that she gets it. Well, why be so morbid? The way things are lately, you know, Harry, with my life, with no laugh. I think my luck's changed. Well, how do you know I won't keep the fortune for myself, old man? The same way I know you won't inform on me to the police. <laughs> yeah. You, you figure this pot's too smart to call the kettle black, is that That's it? That's one man? way of putting it. <laughs> Come uh, to the circus tomorrow night, Harry. I'll show you where my savings are hidden. Mm. And Therese? Therese. I will think of something. Uh, better her heart should break a little now than learn the truth about me and then... I'll... Meet you tomorrow night, Tony. I didn't like the way things were going. Not that Harry Lyons averse to learning the exact location of a man's fortune, but this particular collection of moolah seemed to have entirely too many strings attached to it. However, I decided to let tomorrow take care of itself. I was deep in the arms of Morpheus when... Oh. <sighs> yeah. Yes. What the devil do you mean, waking a man up in the middle of the night? That is Mr. Lime, Mr. Harry Lime. Uh, who's calling? This is Signor Borgia, Questore of Taormina, Department of Public Safety. The police? And it is not midnight, Mr. Lime, but nine o'clock in the morning. Well, that's a matter of opinion, sir. You will do me the great favor of coming to my office within the hour, well, I'll Mr. do nothing Lime. of the sort, uh, Borgia, as I told you. You will come, or you will have become a fool. You are already under surveillance. Well, I'll do you the great favor. 
Questore Borgia. Your generosity is exceeded only by your wisdom, Signor. It's in the hour. I never argue with a policeman over the telephone, beyond a certain point. And when he bears the name of Borgia, well, when in Tarmina, do what the Tarmaniacs do, I suppose. I visited the Questore. I found him a small, alert man, all spit and polish. He eyed me like a hungry robin views a fat word. Sit down. Sit down, Signor Lime. You are a friend of Antonio Vegas? Oh, Antonio must have, must have many friends, I should think. Too many. At one time, this Vegas was in your profession, a confidence man. Tony's a good clown. And a smart one. His buffoon makeup hides more than the proverbial broken heart, doesn't it? Does it? Vegas heads a smuggling ring, emeralds. Are you trying to tell me you know nothing about the traffic? Well, I've never dabbled in emeralds, Borgia, old man. They're too hot for my blood. You refuse to admit that you are in partnership with Vegas? If what you said is true... Well, I wish I was. Do not try to warn your friend. He will never leave Taormina. Well, there are worse places to live. Good morning, Signor Lime. Good morning. That mean I can go now? It does. Well, am I still under surveillance? Yes. Why? Well, my holiday mood, that's all, old man. I hope your bloodhounds are broad-minded. Good morning. <laughs> is it that I always get into these things? Here I was about to do Tony a favor. And there's no profit in it for me at all. Well, I went to his dressing room that night and he showed me his fortune, all tucked away under a false bottom of his costume trunk and all in American bills of high denomination. It's a pity to see it lying there just doing nothing. Well, now that you know where the money is hidden, I'll replace the bottom. Tony, old boy, I still say I'm... I'm not in this. I... It's not my kind of... kind of caper. Send the nest egg to the relatives in Naples, hmm? I don't trust them. <laughs> you know how it is with good people. Yeah. Southern wealth may change their natures completely. Whereas you... Say no more, old man. <laughs> and here is something else for you to see. Hidden in this bladder I use for one of my props. Emeralds. Perfectly cut. Some of them are as big as robin's eggs. I deal in nothing but the finest merchandise. Evidently. Uh, who's your fence? Lazzetti. Yeah, the best. I find him to be the best. Tony, you're one of the few men I've ever underestimated. Who would suspect the clown? Yes, but I must warn you, Tony, that there are some... Who... You say Mr. Vegas is in this tent? Si, senorita. Yes, she must have followed me here. Quick, help me hide these. Yeah. Yes, Therese, you have found me. And now you know what your father really is. He's the best... A clown! I think it is too wonderful. Oh, Papa, did you think I would look down on you because you were a clown in a circus? It is much finer than a traveling salesman. You are angry because I found you out? Why should it be? What can I do, Harry? Well, I guess give her a pass to the show. <laughs> I'll take charge of her. Oh, thank you. Thank you. What can I do oh, to... Not... Oh, am I intruding, Antonio? Nola. There were no introductions. 
I took Therese out of there as soon as possible, but before we left, I caught Nola's eyes on the emeralds. They narrowed like a cat's. The lady knew her way around gems as well as men, and that bothered me. The climate of Sarmina had suddenly become very unhealthy. I would have quit the place that night if Borgia's bloodhounds hadn't been guarding every point of exit. Papa going into that animal cage, Mr. Lyme? Oh, it's nothing. He's, he's pretending to... He's a cat trainer, you know, like Nola. <laughs> See how brave he is. Oh, oh, how funny he is. Yeah. How wonderful is my papa. Oh, great. Tony's funniest routine began. He's giving the greatest performance of all his life because he's brought it in the audience. The puma cage was squealed up to the main cage and the door opened. Out came the puma. But no costume clown this one. A very large, very live, and very vicious cat sprang into Tony's cage. It stood there a moment, lashing its tail and blinking in the lights. In that moment, before it sprang at my old friend, I saw Nola's face watching from the tent entrance. Her eyes wide, her lips drawn back in an animal smile. Her hands stretched before her like claws. So she were about to attack. I was glad to see the police. The Puma was shot and killed. Nola was apprehended. What was left of Antonio Vegas was taken to the hospital tent. As I said, he'd found a way out of Tarmina. The hard way. No, don't. Don't cry, kitten. It was an accident. No, it was no accident. Like the scar on your cheek. She did it. She did it. I did nothing. It was an accident. Somebody switched the cages. What do you mean? Well, Castore Borgia, I, I, I think I can prove differently. It wasn't you, an Signora? accident at all. He lied? Antonio Vegas is my friend, Signora. You can understand that word, friend. Why should I lie? I saw you switch the cages deliberately. No, no, I did not. I did not. And I know why you did. No. Harry. It's because of jealousy. Jealous? Of that clown? Stop it! Stop it! You shall not laugh at my papa! Your... Your papa? Thank you. Thank you, Harry. Lime returns in just a moment.
And now, Harry Lyme. I think somebody before me once pointed out that women are very curious creatures. You take Lola, for instance. Lola was quite prepared to murder the man she loved, just out of a fit of jealousy. Some women, of course, indulge in a more refined and less dangerous form of vengeance. They arrange matters for the men they love so that life just seems like death. I sometimes wonder what life would be like without women. So quiet and peaceful. And so very, very dull. Stay tuned for The Aldridge Family next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for The Aldridge Family in a show that as well was first aired in 1952. Henry! Henry Aldridge! Coming, Mother! Yes, it's The Aldridge Family, written by Clifford Goldsmith. There's an old saying that claims you're only young once. But as a matter of fact, you can be young more than once. And the best way of doing that is to share the misadventures of a typical boy like Henry Aldrich. He'll take you right back to your own teenage days. The scene is the living room of Nancy Adams, one of Henry's favorite classmates. And the time is evening. Nancy, tell me honestly, what is it you like about Bill Turner? I don't know, Henry. I just like him. Don't you? Sure he's all right. If you like athletes. What's the matter with athletes? Nothing. Except you're so athletic. Well, I mean, well, well, to hear Bill Turner talk, you think he was Joe DiMaggio, the Notre Dame football team, and Gorgeous George, all rolled into one. That's so loud, Henry. He might hear you. Who would he hear me? He's out in the front hall. And I like him, only... Frankly, is there any way of getting rid of him? You and you don't like him? Well, sure, I'm crazy about him. Only... Hey, Nancy! She wins. Nancy, did I ever tell you about the time I dove off the top of the boathouse? Oh, Bill, I didn't even know anybody could climb up that high. Oh, it's easy. And you know that flagpole down at the end of the lake? Yes. I dove off that once, too. Nancy, how's your mother? Oh, she's better, Henry. She just strained her back a little. Boy, was that some luck I had in the game Saturday. You remember when those three guys tackled me and I carried them right across the goal for a touchdown? Oh, that was just wonderful, Bill. I don't see how you stood up. Nancy, what kind of a television set is this? I don't know. Uh, Henry, could you or Bill open this window a little, please? Sure, why not? Oh, wait a minute, Henry. I'll open it. Well, that's all right, Bill. I've got it practically... Practically... Is it stuck, Henry? No, it isn't stuck. I just... Could you stand back, please, Bill? How am I in the way? I want to get some leverage. Here, Henry, let me show you how to open it. Now, look out, Bill. All I have to do is... Nancy, would you mind if I push this sofa away? No, Henry. Well, well, don't get up. I'll push you along. Along. Well, maybe if you just got up for a second, Nancy. Well, never mind the sofa. I'll just... Gee, who opened that window? I did. 
<laughs> you know, I thought I had it started. I just should have kept at it. Anything else you want done, Nancy? Well, there's some ginger ale out in the kitchen if one of uh, you wants Oh, gee whiz, to... I'll get it for you, Nancy. You stay where you are, Bill. You sure you don't need any help lifting the bottles? You'll find everything out there on a tray, Henry. All you have to do is put some ice in the glasses. Uh, I'll be right back. Nancy, isn't there any way of getting rid of him? This evening? Sure. Bill, Henry Aldrich is one of the nice... Nancy, e I'm not saying he isn't. Only, frankly... Frankly what? Well, three's a crowd. And frankly, I have crowds cheering for me every time I go out on the field. I want to be alone. Excuse me, Nancy, but is there any special way of getting your ice trays loose? Well, my mother never has any trouble, Henry. All she does is pull and they come right out. That's funny. I'll take another crack at it. Nice guy. I'd like to see him come out for football practice some afternoon. Bill, what did I tell you about sympathy and understanding? Oh, I understand, Henry. That's why I have no sympathy for him. Oh, forget about him. What about that dance Friday night? What about it? Well, what time should I... What time should I... You know, he's going to wreck your refrigerator. <laughs> what time should I call for you? Oh, about... Yes, Mother? Are those boys playing football down there? <laughs> no, Mother. Henry's getting some ice. I'll pick everything up, Nancy. Does your father have a hammer I could use with a screwdriver? Or a small crowbar would be even better. Henry, what's that all over your suit? It's... Well, you see, I was aiming for the ice cubes, but... Was your mother planning to have tomato juice for dinner? <laughs> There's a freshly opened can in the icebox. Oh, my goodness. Of course, if they're going out for dinner, it'll keep till tomorrow's lunch. Out of the way, Henry. I'll get the ice out. Now, wait a second, Bill. You'll need something to loosen it with. What's the matter with my hands? Some guys sure love to brag. Why, if Bill Turner... Was... <gasps> hey, who put butter on the floor? <laughs> I just took it out so I could get better leverage. Nancy, will one tray of ice be enough? Gee, I loosen it that much? Nancy, I don't think you'll feel the same way about you-know-who once you get a look at your mother's kitchen. I think I'd better be going. Oh, Henry, do you have to? Well, I've got a lot of homework to do, and I think I'd better. Don't you? Well, if you have to. I, uh... I, I had a very swell evening, though. Oh, I'm awfully glad, Henry. Well, so long. You really have to go. I think I'd better. Aldrich, would you mind closing that door? The coach told me to keep out of grass. Oh, oh, sure. I, I didn't realize I was keeping the door open. Well, what time should I call for you Friday evening? Friday evening? Sure, for the dance. Henry, I didn't promise to go with you, did I? Why, sure, why, sure. You didn't? Well, I don't see how I could have. I'm going with Bill. Oh. With Bill? <laughs> oh, I'm terribly sorry, Henry. I guess you must have misunderstood hey, me. Hey, what about that door? Oh, I'll, I'll walk you out to the porch. No, no, you, you go back and have your ginger ale. I can find my way, all right. Oh, I, I hope you understand, Henry. Oh, sure. You and Bill just go ahead and enjoy yourselves. <laughs> the toast, please? There you are, dear. Why didn't Henry go to the dance? Well, dear, that's what I don't know. Do you remember the other evening when he came home from Nancy Adams soaking wet? When? Last week, dear. A couple of nights before the dance. He walked into the house covered with tomato juice. And Sam Henry hasn't been himself since then. Did you have a talk with him? Yes, and all he'd say was he felt dancing was a waste of time. Mother! Uh, Mary, come in here and eat your breakfast. Mother, what 
this letter all about? What letter? Why, it's the silliest thing I've ever seen. It must be for Father. May I see it, please? Who's it from, Sam? From the Lionel Strongford Institute of Physical Development, Incorporated. <laughs> Dear Mr. Ulrich, are you a man or a mouse? I knew all the time it wasn't for me. Yeah. No man can make his mark in the world. No man can inspire the love of a good woman unless he is willing to develop his inner potential strength in our 26-week course. Sam, what in the world is that? I don't know, Alice, but I'm fascinated. <laughs> we can give you a money-back guarantee if your chest expansion does not increase by at least two inches during the first six lessons. How many inches, Father? Keep quiet, Mary. That's just the first six lessons. <laughs> we also offer a shorter course for the busy executive, interested in only partial development. <laughs> Remember, decide now. Yours truly. Oh, Father, what's that? P.S. Reply by return mail and receive... Free one genuine simulated nylon tape measure, especially designed <laughs> for checking your chest development. Here, when did you write for that? May I see the envelope, please? Father, it's addressed to Mr. Harold Aldrich. Who's he? I have no idea whether he's a man or a mouse. Well, put the letter back in the envelope, please. It's probably for Henry. Mother, why would he want to develop? I don't know, dear. And besides, it's none of our business. Please put it back in the envelope. Well, well, I think I'll walk to the office this morning. Why, Sam, you haven't walked to the office in six years. Well, of course I have. I walked a couple of times just this last summer. It made me feel great. I'll get your top coat for you, Father. A coat? A coat? Why would I want a coat? Well, I can at least get your hat. Goodbye, Alice. Goodbye. Goodbye, Goodbye son. Goodbye. Mother, do you have any idea where my blue and white tie is? Your blue and white tie? No, dear. Now sit down and eat your breakfast. But, Mother, I've got to find it. There'll be plenty of time to find it after you've eaten. Turn around. What's the matter? I think you ought to have those shoulders on that coat taken in a little. Taken in, Mother? You just want to throw your money away? They'll be filled out in 26... I, I mean, before you know it. Henry, dear, please sit down. I want to ask you something. What about? What in the world is the trouble? The trouble? The trouble? Gee whiz, I don't know of any trouble. But you aren't yourself, dear, and when anyone speaks to you, you're way up in the air. Well, I'm not up in the air, Mother. I, I may be a little upset because I can't find my blue and white tie, but otherwise I feel fine. Then why not eat your breakfast? I'm going to eat it. I'm going to eat it. How's Nancy Adams these days? Nancy Adams? Mother. Well, all I asked is, how is she? You see this book here, Mother? You see this book? Yes. Well, that gives you an idea of what little interest I have in Nancy Adams. What about the book? I borrowed it from her two weeks ago. Well? I'm returning. Well, that's fine. I'm returning it. I'm returning it. That's all. That's as far as I go. She asked me whether I'd like to keep it and finish it. I'll tell her I'm not even slightly interested. Well, that's fine, dear. Now, drink your milk. You know what else? What? That's all right. Never mind. But if her folks can't afford a better icebox than the one they have... She was you like Bill Turner. Bill Turner? I hardly know him. She is. He got a lot to learn. He just goes around... You know what he thinks? Henry, what's your ambition in life? My ambition, Mary? What do you mean? That's all. I just wondered whether you wanted to be a man or a mouse. <laughs> Mary, I haven't any time for small talk. Have you seen my blue and white tie? No, but I'd love to see your chest expansion. Now, Mary? <laughs> That's what I say, Mother. But, Mother, all I was going to ask him was if he was going to take the short course of the 26-week course. Uh, Mary, will you please give Henry that letter? A letter? I don't think it's for you, though, Henry. Mary, give me that letter. Are you Mr. Harold Aldrich? Mary, you come back with that. Do you realize that's United States mail? Mary? Mother, it says right on the envelope, may be open for inspection. Mary, if you don't give me that... <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, we won't break anything. I'm just helping Henry develop. Now, listen, Mary, you're only going to make me late for school. You want to take it with you and show it to Nancy Adams? Mary, if you breathe one word about this to her, I'll... Mary? Mary, come back down here with that. What are you writing, Henry? Henry! What are you doing? Homer, is there a class in this room next period? Sure. Henry, what are all those questions you're filling out? Nothing, Homer. Nothing important. It's just some information I've got to send away. Could you measure my chest just once more, please? It's pretty hard with this ruler. Well... <laughs> well, just go around me real slow. It's, um... Exactly two and a quarter. Two and a quarter? <laughs> two and a quarter rulers. That's, uh, 27 inches. 27 inches? For my chest? Don't you think I better take off a half inch for where I went around the corner? <laughs> the only thing is, Homer, my thigh was 27 too. You mean my thigh is as big as my chest? It is. Well, Homer, I don't want to mislead anyone. Listen, Henry, what is it you're sending for? Nothing, Homer. Gee whiz, why would I... You know whether Nancy Adams has a class here next period? Sure. I thought you were ignoring her. I am. That's why I'm waiting to return this book. When I hand it to her, it's going to end everything. Well, let me see that letter, just for a second, will you, Henry? Homer, don't you see what's printed right at the top of it? Strictly confidential. What does that question at the bottom mean? What question? Do you have flat feet? <laughs> now, listen, Homer, that just shows how your imagination works. Well, what did it say then? Keep quiet, Homer. Miss Watson just came into the room. Miss Watson? Well, boys, you certainly look busy. We we are, Miss Watson. You working on your biology? Well, in a way we are. Well, now, isn't that fine? You know we're going to start working on mice next week. We are? On mice? <laughs> yes, we're going to compare their development with that of man. What's that? Come on, Henry, that's the end of the period. There's a class coming in. Hello, Henry, what are you doing in here? Well, well, Nancy, I've been waiting... Uh, I, I've been I've been filling out. I, I, I've been Henry. You're getting ink all over yourself. I am. Here's a blotter. Uh, well, Nancy, I I just wanted to tell you how much I enjoyed this book. Oh, I'm awfully glad you returned it, Henry, because Bill Turner is anxious to get it. He is. Are you sure you're through with it? Oh yeah. After all, even if I weren't through with it, naturally, if Bill wants the book. Where have you been for the last week? Just around. Just around every place. Hey, Henry, come on. You go ahead, Homer. I may be held up here a second. Why, please? Oh, you better go, Henry. I just wanted to tell you, though, how much I enjoyed your book. Henry Aldrich, don't you have a class this period? Yes, Miss Watson. I'm on my way right this minute. Goodbye, Henry. Goodbye. Boy, is Nancy a good-looking girl, Henry. You think she's so good-looking? I think she's terrific. Well, the way I think of her, she's good-looking, but I wouldn't ever want to... Henry, wanna... let me have a look at that letter, will you? What letter? About your flat feet. Now, Homer, listen. <laughs> Homer. Homer, where is that letter? I haven't got it. Homer, I put it in this Latin book. I put it right here in the ablative absolute section. Well, don't look at me. I didn't even touch your letter. Do you suppose I put it in Nancy's book? You did? Well, why would she be interested in your flat feet? <laughs> Homer, I didn't know I put them there. I mean, the letter there. I was just talking to her, and I may have just stuck it in there. Well, Homer, I've got to get that letter. Why? I think I want a thing like that to be read publicly by Nancy. Well, you certainly can't get it now, Henry. Maybe they haven't started class yet. Well, I'm not going in with you. I don't want the whole class to look at me. Be quiet, Homer. I'm going back in and get that letter. 
Will you all get your pencils, please? I beg your pardon, Henry Aldrich. Is there something we can do for you? Why, Miss Watson, I'm sorry to interrupt your lesson like this, but I just returned Nancy to a book. <laughs> uh, I mean, well, I mean, the Nancy's desk has something in it I'd like to want. I mean, me. Well, is it anything you can't do without for the rest of the period? Well, yes, ma'am. I just have to have it. Well, if it won't take more than a second, you may go to her desk and get it. Thank you, Miss Watson. In the meantime, will all of you be copying what's written on the board here? <laughs> Nancy, Henry, what on earth is it you want? I'd like to borrow that book again. But Henry, you didn't have to come all the way back into class and embarrass me. But I just happened to remember. I, I haven't finished it. I thought you said you had finished. Oh, I until I got out in the Henry, hall. Henry, will you hurry, please? Yes, Miss Watson. Sure, Henry. Thanks very much. Uh, Henry, may I ask what book that is? This book I just got from Nancy? Yes. Well, it's... It's just a book. What is the title? <laughs> Rita's Revenge. <laughs> and that is the book you were in so much of a hurry to get? Well, I'll tell you, it isn't the story I'm so anxious yeah, to get. the book, please. The whole book? The whole book. <laughs> Couldn't I take just one look? Please don't open it. No? May I have it, please? Yes, Miss Watson. And I should like to see Nancy Adams immediately after class. Miss Watson, Henry, she didn't... will you please leave this classroom? Yes, Miss Watson. I'll go. <laughs> we'll come back to the Aldrich family in just a moment. Sundays on this station are really full of top radio shows, but I'd like to tell you about just one of them, Theater Guild on the Air. For seven seasons, the Theater Guild has been bringing you the brightest stars of Broadway and Hollywood and some of the world's greatest plays. Tonight, the comedy attraction is Ring Lardner's baseball story, Elmer the Great. Your stars are Eddie Bracken and Wanda Hendricks. Now, the play concerns Elmer Kane, a pitcher with the best right arm in the three-eye league, but a brain which has failed to vibrate with a clear thought since birth. Now, Elmer refuses to leave Gentryville, Illinois, for the big league because he's in love with Nellie Poole, owner of the grocery where he drives the delivery wagon. But Nellie guesses his secret and fires Elmer. Well, from then on, it's all ring lard and a fun. So check your newspaper for broadcast times and tune to NBC tonight for Theater Guild on the air. You'll enjoy Elmer the Great. <laughs> Now getting back to the troubles of Henry Aldridge. Henry has decided that he needs a course in physical development. And after filling out the rather intimate questions on the application blank, he discovers that he has left the blank in a book belonging to Nancy Adams. The scene opens in Henry's school at the close of a period. Listen, Henry, this will make two classes I've missed just because of you, Homer. All you have to do is just walk up to Miss Watson's desk there, pick up Nancy's book, and walk out with it. It's as easy as pie. Are you sure Miss Watson isn't in there? No one's in there. There isn't a soul in there now. You like pie. Why don't you go in and get it? <laughs> well, Chief Miss Homer, I was going to stand here in the doorway and keep watch for you. Well, if anyone does come along, Henry, give me a signal. Clear your throat. Sure, I'll, I'll sort of cough. Okay, I'll go. That's it. Just walk right up as though you own the place. <laughs> Which book is it? The one your hand is on. This isn't it. Sure it is. Isn't that book blue? 
Sure, but it's uh, the advanced essence of poetry. It must be there, Homer. Well, come here and show it to me. All right. Wait a second. I'll close the door partway. If it was here, it would be here. Homer, I'm almost positive Miss Watson didn't take it with her. All right. Show it to me. Gee whiz, it's a book with a blue cover. A blue cover? Oh, this must be it. Yes, Miss Watson. Henry, someone's out in the hall. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Quick, Homer, Doc, have you got it? Where are we, Doc? Get down here beside her desk. Did they come in, Henry? No, they just closed the door. Well, come on, let's get out of here. Not so fast, Homer. Wait until they've gone down the hall. But, Henry, I've got to get to my next class. Quiet. Open the door easy. I'm going to. You must be stuck. Let me try it. Henry, this is all your fault. Don't get panicky, Homer. We'll get it open. How? Oh, it's locked. You're crazy. Why would anybody lock a door in broad daylight? All we have to do is throw ourselves against it. Okay. One, two, three. Don't you stand there, Homer. Help me up. I guess they locked it all right. You mean we're locked in and I can't get to solid geometry? Well, at least they didn't see us, Homer. But, Henry, I'm weak in geometry as it is. Well, well all we have to do is climb out that window. But what good will that do? We're way up on the third floor. Homer, stop arguing. Give me that book and let's go. Nancy, could you take these keys down to the main office, please? Yes, Miss Watson. And Nancy, if you're quite sure you won't let this book interfere with your studies anymore, you may have it. Yes, Miss Watson. I'm sorry you let Henry Aldrich have it. After all, he has much more important things to attend to than Rita's revenge. Yes, Miss Watson. He's a very nice boy, Nancy. At least he has his good points. But I do wish you'd become more interested in someone who takes things just a bit more seriously than Henry does. Yes, Miss Watson. Be careful, Homer. Do you want to knock me off this fire escape? Well, gee whiz, Henry, we have to get out of here somehow. Don't you realize this fire escape goes right past all the second floor classrooms? It never goes below the second floor? Well, keep quiet, Henry. Suppose somebody should see us out here. Let's close the window. Now, quiet now, Henry. Be quiet. That's it. Make all the noise you can. Homer, all we have to do now is go up the fire escape to the roof. And then I suppose we just jump off. It's bound to lead to something, Homer. Come on. Have you got Nancy's book? Sure. Here, take it. Is my letter in it? I don't know. Hey, Homer. What? This isn't Nancy's book. She was, this is Miss Watson's report book. My report book? What made you think my letter would be inside this? You said blue, so I grabbed blue. <laughs> but you should have looked, Homer. Boy, if we get caught with this, we could even, we could even be expelled. Just for having a report book? Sure. Well, you can be the one that takes it back, Henry. All we have to do is open the window and... Be sure no one's in there, Henry. No one's in there. <laughs> she was. Lift, Henry. I am lifting, Homer. Move back so I can get some leverage. What's the matter, Henry? Are you weak? Oh, gee whiz, maybe I do need... Wouldn't you think I could at least open a window when it's an emergency? Boy, you're really in a fix. You've got Miss Watson's reports and Nancy's got your measurements. Sure. But probably by this time, Nancy's read the whole thing. Come on, Homer, we've got to get off this fire escape. Boys! Boys, what are you doing up there? Who is it, Henry? What are you doing up there? 
It's Mr. Bradley. He's down in the courtyard. Boy! Why, well, we're just trying to open a window, Mr. Bradley. Don't you know the rules about going out on the fire escape? Are there any special rules, Mr. Bradley? What are your names? Henry. Aldrin. Oh. Homer. Brown. Oh. Henry and Homer. All fiction, Brown? Huh. Yes, sir. Open the house and fire escape and report to my office at once. Yes, sir. How would you like to have us get there, Mr. Bradley? Any way you can. <laughs> the only trouble is, Mr. Bradley. What's that? Nothing. We'll get down. And how long have you been a student in this school, young man? About three years, Mr. Bradley. And this other young man? About three and a half, Mr. Bradley. But that was on account of the mumps right on top of the measles. I see. And you both know those fire escapes were placed there for emergency use only? Well, the fact is, Mr. Bradley... It wasn't enough that you were out on a fire escape. You climbed in a window and broke right into the middle of Professor Vanderhoff's French class. Well, you see, Mr. Bradley, it was the only way we could get off the fire escape. Professor Vanderhoff's window was open and... Homer, must you lean on my desk? No, sir, excuse me. I thought you were through with us. I don't know whatever gave you that impression. Excuse me, but could I interrupt you, Mr. Bradley? You're Bill Turner, aren't you? Yes, I'm the one that carried three men over our goal Saturday. And what were you sent in here for? Well, I suppose I shouldn't have been reading this book during study hour, Mr. Bradley. What's the title? Rita's Revenge. <laughs> Rita's Revenge. I see. <clears throat> Henry. Yes, Mr. Bradley. What do you think of a boy who would spend his time reading a book like that? Well, I guess it's pretty bad, Mr. Bradley. That's what I say. I see. Do you know what I think all three of you boys need? No, sir. Suppose you wait here, all of you, while I step out and get your record. Yes, sir. Bill, where did you get that book? From Nancy. And what business is it of yours? Listen, Bill, could I borrow it a second? Nancy's book? All I want to do is take it for just one second. What for? I just want to... Well, I just want to... Can't you even let me look at it? Keep your hands off. Let me have that. Keep away, do you hear me? Hey, Henry, look at what fell out of it. There's your letter right in the floor. You whiz. Bill Turner, you take your foot off that. You make me. You hear me? Take your foot off that letter. Henry, somebody's coming. I don't care. Mr. Bradley, what's watching Henry. Hello, Nancy. Close the door. Let go of my leg, Aldrich. You lift your leg. Do you hear me? Lift it. Boy, stop it. <laughs> lift his leg, Henry. I need more leverage. Hey, Bill, cut it out. It's twisting my head. Yeah? Turner, you stop that. Darn you, Bill. There. Henry! Gee, Henry, you knocked him out. Oh, boy. You lifted him right off the floor. Hey, what happened? Oh, he's all right, Henry. Pick him up before Mr. Bradley comes in. Come on, Homer. Let's lift him onto the couch. Oh. Listen, Aldrich, what did you hit me with? I just used my bare hands. Didn't I, Nancy? Now then, young man. Turner, did anyone invite you to lie down on that couch? <laughs> Bradley. I'll help him up, Mr. Bradley. Don't you think he can get up himself? Well, I'm up. Well, young lady? Oh, uh, Miss Watson asked me to bring her keys down here. I'll take them in one moment. Turner, here's what I want you to do. I want you to spend a part of each lunch hour for the next ten days picking up the papers in the corridors of this building. 
On all three floors. On all three floors. And as for... How... How did Miss Watson's report book get here on my desk? On your desk, Mr. Bradley? Nancy, would you see that she gets it back? Yes, sir. Now then, Aldrich and Brown. Yes, Mr. Bradley. Yes, Mr. Bradley. I'm sending you to the gym instructor. He needs a couple of huskies like you two to help him move the steel lockers. Move? Yes. <laughs> Aren't there quite a few, Mr. Bradley? There are 350. It will take every afternoon for the next two weeks. Gee whiz! That's all right, Homer. You heard what Mr. Bradley said. They need a couple of huskies like you and me. Aldrich, what's that you're tearing up? Nothing. It's just sort of a letter I've decided I won't need anymore. A radar network to detect the approach of planes can't do the entire job of protecting our country from a devastating surprise air attack. That's up to us as individual citizens. Right now, the Air Defense Command needs 300,000 more volunteers for its ground observer corps. Both men and women from teenage up can contribute a few hours of their time each week and perform a valuable service to our country. Write upon your nearest Civil Defense Center a right to Ground Observer Corps, Air Force, Washington, 25, D.C. <coughs> oh, gee. Oh, gee. Henry Aldrich, look at that window. That's what I mean, Nancy. No matter what I touch these days, it crumbles right in my hands. <laughs> The Aldrich Family is written by Clifford Goldsmith. Henry is played by Bobby Ellis and Homer by Johnny Fiedler. Mr. and Mrs. Aldrich are House Jameson and Catherine Roth. Your announcer is Dick Dudley. Listen again next week, same time, same station, for another sparkling half hour with The Aldrich Family. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Cloak and Dagger, followed by Our Miss Brooks. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.